Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Nights and bright and crisp and moist and fall. Whew, we got plenty of stuff to talk about, too, folks. I know it's cold out there, but you've tuned in to Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Gestalt Garden. I'm your host, horticulturist Felder Rushing. Our producer is an awesome Java Chapman. Kevin Farrell's going to be our phone greeter today. For the next hour, we're just going to talk about gardening. Some of you brought stuff in last night. Some of you didn't. I didn't. Didn't lose anything because I lucked up, but it doesn't matter. Today, the day after Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, is what they call Day of the Dead. And we're going to let the good times roll because most of us are above ground. Anyway, for the next hour, it's going to be about gardening. Just gardening, garden-related stuff. Got some cheesy music, got a couple of emails, some things going on, but mostly it's going to be about gardening. So a lot of program folks to so sit back, relax. We're going to do some news and come back right after this, and we're going to start getting dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Uh, I got up this morning and went, ooh, it wasn't because it was Halloween, because it was cold out not, out there last night. Java, did you take your kids out trick-or-treating last night? Well, we did the thing, uh, trunk or treat. Trunk or treat, yeah. Yeah, so we went by the, we went by the church, and um, they... They laid it on them, man. <laughs> and it was and it was indoors. Well, actually, it was we it was um, outside, but just right before the temps got really cold, you know. So did you, uh, Dad? Did you go through their bag of stuff and see what they couldn't have because you wanted it? Well, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I I, I am a, a fan of Twizzlers, and I Twizzlers. and I and I say they they are not fans of Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah, so well, the, the, it's good. Thing. Do they even know about Twizzlers? Did you get them all first? <laughs> I think I think that's what happens. <laughs> well, that's okay. Hey, Dad, you know they celebrate. Uh, this is All Saints Day. Uh, but in Hispanic communities, so South Texas, Mexico, uh, Guatemala, places like that, they celebrate Day of the Dead, and it is so cool. Um, it's a family thing. They go to cemeteries, and I've been to some of the cemeteries down in South Texas, and they clean up the, the, the tombstones, the grave sites. They put flowers out there. They have music. They have food. It's a d- way to celebrate you know, the, 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 the gone and the here and the future, kids and family and everything. And if you um, are, I guess maybe say unfamiliar with the Day of the Dead, uh-huh. it's a great animated movie came out a couple of years ago called Coco. Coco, and it talks about that, and it it does it really well. So if you don't know about it, watch that movie. Yeah, you know, to to, to other cultures it may sound a little creepy, but it's a festival celebrating, you know, everything. So it's sort of like Memorial Day, you know, to my folks. But uh, anyway, uh, I picked out some some music today. My cheesy music is going to be celebrating. Um, not being <laughs> letting the good times roll because we're we're above ground right now. And speaking of above ground, I was above ground day before yesterday, planting stuff into the ground. I set out some flowers, uh, a few little vegetables, some little hardy things, some kale, and you know I keep talking about this every week. But some pansies about not some violas, and even put out some dianthus, some sweet williams. Tempted to put out um, a couple of other tender things that like it in the summertime up north, but uh, they grow over the wintertime here. Uh, snapdragons come to mind, but uh, anyway, it's a good time. I know it's really wet out there for a lot of folks. It's chilly out there, but the sun is out. The soil is going to warm up pretty quickly because it didn't get that cold. 
great weekend to go out. If you don't have a chance to actually plant stuff, you can go out and get stuff to plant because I went by a couple of wholesale places and retail places to see what's available, and there's plenty of stuff you can put out there. Uh, if you can't plant in the dirt because it's too, too, uh, too cold or too wet or you just don't feel like getting down in it, Put something in a container. You know, get your nice size pot, something just ba- barely big enough to put your arms around, and then fill it with some potting soil. Maybe put some styrofoam peanuts or sweet gum balls or bark or something in the bottom because you don't need dirt all the way to the bottom. You know, six or eight inches of the dirt is plenty for wintertime stuff. And then uh, put some potting soil in there. Stick some daffodils down deep, throw you some uh, flowers on top of it, maybe some lettuce seeds or whatever, and you'll have something really pretty. doesn't matter how cold it gets. It's going to do really, really well. Uh, hey, it's a call-in program, folks. If you want to give us a call, we got the lines wide open. Uh, I'm not going to bite. I'm a horticulturist by profession, but I'm a gardener by uh, experience. I'm not a great gardener because I'm lazy and I'm tired and I'm busy and I'm gone. And I don't like dragging stuff in and out every time the weather changes because that's what Mama made me do. So, uh, But anyway, if you just want to talk about it, high end, the low end, the in-between end, we're going to be doing nothing but talking about gardening. Uh, for all you, what, what I call all you green necks, fellow green necks and diggers, determined independent gardeners, and even some of you bottle tree areas. Anyway, they got plenty of stuff to talk about, uh, but if you want to give me a call, lines are wide open. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, looks like a good day to stay indoors uh, if you don't like cold weather. But you know, if, if you'll get outside, feel like a lizard sitting out in the sun. It feels good out there. Feels real, real good. Uh, there's a lot of things uh, that uh, that have been going on this past week. Really enjoyed the flora plant swap. Met a couple of folks who'd never been to a plant swap before. They seem to have a good time. A bunch of weirdos. People it's too cold and rainy to really get out, but people. People still came out. I guess there are 25 or 30 folks there, and everybody brought plants, and everybody swapped plants. We told stories and, and asked questions and shared what we knew and scratched our heads over stuff. And mostly it was just a chance for people who normally don't get out around other people to get out around other people and using plants as an excuse. It's safe. It's easy. And if you would like to organize a plant swap in your community, shoot me an email. I've been doing this for a long time, long time, since the uh, since 1980s. Uh, we even had a real big one we did uh, at the Bonnell Gardens back in the day that was in Southern Living Magazine. It's easy to do a plant swap, but there's a couple of simple little organizational things that sure make it go a lot easier that you might not think about the first time around. So anyway, if you want to think about doing a plant swap, shoot me an email and we'll talk about that. Uh, before we go to this first call, let me mention I was walking around the other day when it was warm and I almost swooned with a combination of the last of the gardenias. There's some gardenias blooming out there, real, real sweet. But also the sweet olives have picked up, both the white ones and the golden ones. Sweet olives uh, love cold weather, and uh, you're not going to be able to smell them until the temperatures warm up because the fragrance doesn't travel as well in cold air. But uh, sweet olives, last of the gardenias, really, really nice being here in the South and having stuff like that. Those of you listening to my podcast don't live in the South, you're not going to get that at all. But imagine lilacs in November. Hey, let's let's go down on uh, on the road. Talk to Cassandra. Hey, Cassandra, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. Hey, where are you from? I am actually from. I'm from Mississippi, but I live in Memphis. That's okay. Memphis is close enough. We call that the that's the that's the Glasgow of Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? 
I am calling about planting Japanese sweet potatoes. We love Japanese sweet potatoes, and we can only find them at Whole Foods. And yeah. so I researched and Googled, Googled to see if I could um, learn how to plant, grow the potato slips. Uh-huh. And I did successfully grow potato slips, but we were moving and transitioning, and I had to throw them away. Oh, no. And so, yes. <laughs> So I just wanted to ask you about planting them. When, when can you plant them? What's the best way to plant them, the best soil? Just I, I know nothing about it. Well, the, for, for one thing, sweet potatoes, all of them, uh, even the, the hybrid ones, uh, the small, all the real interesting varieties, and the old heirloom kind, they all like warm dirt. You know, they're from, they're from hot climates. And so I would try to plant them over the winter, except just for ornamentals. And that's not why you grow them, Cassandra. So what I'd do is I would wait till uh, late winter, early spring, start you some new ones. And, you, you know, you've already found out you can sprout them from, the, from those at the supermarket. But I plant them when the soil warms up. Now, are you going to still be in Memphis just moving from place to place? I'll still be in Memphis. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a nice sunny flower bed that you can work up the dirt, you know, an area about as, oh, maybe a couple of feet across, work it up pretty well but not overdo it, then you could plant them and use them as a ground cover in your flower beds and then dig up the roots in the fall. But it okay. it, it takes, uh, oh, four or five months or so to really make good sweet potatoes. So I would plant them in the spring when the soil is warm. Uh, try not to fertilize them because, they, you know, you'll get all vines that way. They, they, they just don't need a lot of fertilizer, and uh, they don't need a lot of water. And, uh, you know, if you want to try growing some in pots, you know, uh, if you'll use potting soil, Cassandra, get some real dirt and mix them with your potting soil. So, you know, it just firms up the potting soil better for sweet potatoes. And anyway, and uh, just leave them alone till fall. Oh, okay. So the Japanese variety, it's okay. We can plant them here. They're just sweet potatoes. That's all. They're just sweet potatoes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Okay. Have fun. Hey, Cassandra, if you have some more questions, shoot me an email, okay? All right. Thank you. All righty. Okay, sweet potato. Hey, let's go uh, to uh, Mobile, from Memphis to Mobile. Hey, John, good morning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up? Glad to hear you're awake there. Uh, so uh, far, shivering, but I'm awake. Hope everybody's had their their injection of uh, chocolate. caffeine this morning, coffee. coffee I, yeah. I'm, I'm, st- I'm still buzzing from chocolate last night. My son, I went to a pub last night, uh, my, my local pub, and my son, who's an Army officer and former Marine, he came into the pub dressed up like me. He had a flat, gray flat cap. He had a long hair, gray wig. He had glasses, and he had black T-shirt and blue jeans, and it was really kind of creepy. But anyway, he also brought his wife brought all the leftover candy that the kids didn't get, and so I'm still buzzing on chocolate. What you got going on? I got. A, I'm the guy that usually kills plants. I mean, I think just because I'm lazy, once I plant them, I don't. I don't take care of them, but I found a plant that I th- I consider bulletproof. It's called an alligator plant or a Mexican hat plant. I, are you oh yeah, yeah. That? That's that's one with the the long skinny leaves. Now, now there's there's one that has uh, long leaves with jagged leaves, and they put the little fly, little plants grow on the teeth. That's it. That's it. That's yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it turns out that uh, the um, DMV in Theodore, Alabama, has a window garden. Uh, and thousands and thousands of little seeds drop off the tip of those plants, and I, I scarf them up. I mean, they, they throw them away. How many do you and need? You don't need that many because <laughs> they they are quite prolific. I'm, I'm the guy that that's, 
that's their representative. I try to give those plants away every time I get a chance. Well, you, gr- question, you grow them in pots, though, right? Exactly. My yeah. question to you, are, are they winter hardy? Do I have to bring them in, or can I leave them planted outside? Normally, they'll freeze. Now, Mobile, sometimes, you know, if you don't have a freeze, you know, they could take cold weather. But, uh, you know, if, if they actually, if just down below 30, they turn to mush. I mean, they're, they're a succulent. Uh, That's right. You know, you know, sort of like a cactus, but uh, they're they're like the mother-in-law tongue, the Sansevieras. If the yeah. Sansevieras can make it outside, those will make it outside. And you usually don't see them growing outside all year until you get down around Gainesville or, or something. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you can give it a try, but always throw a few in the pot just in case. Well, for those gardeners that are like me, killer plants, that's an ideal plant to have. I mean, it is really hardy. It's it's a great plant. It brings now, me a lot of joy. Now, some people also call it Mother of Thousands. Yeah, but Mother the, of Thousands, right. Yeah. Uh, and there's another one that looks like, you know, you've got the one with the, the jagged leaves. There's one that has long, skinny, tubular leaves, kind of a flesh with darker spots. And it makes a cluster of those little uh, plants at the end, tips of the, the leaves. So yeah. you see, John, you can branch out now being expert in two plants. What is this other plant called, the, the other variety? Uh, you know, the the Latin name is bryophyllum or something like that. But if you Google mother of thousands or mother of millions or, you know, you'll come up with pictures of And it's a, it's a real common pass along plant. Once you get them started, they're just like the – they grow alike, but they're different shapes. It's kind of cool growing them together. That's good. That's good. Well – Y'all keep uh, keep the fort going. I appreciate okay. you being there. Have hey, a good day. Hey, the, congratulations, my fellow gardener. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> bye bye. All right, let's let's slide. Ooh, I'm getting a yo-yo effect. You're sliding back up to South Haven, just south of Memphis. Uh, hey, John. Good morning. Hey, fella. What's up? I have a question about watering. Yeah. Um, I just put in a drip system. In my uh, vegetable beds, uh-huh. and after a rain, say an inch, how soon should I turn the water on out there? Well, that's a good question. When you say a drip system, what kind does it got? The little uh, the tu- spaghetti tubes going each plant, or does it just uh, seep along the you know the, no, the it's, length? It's got uh, well, some it's got half inch with emitters. And uh, in the flower beds, I got quarter inch. Yeah, but they're the emitters. The you know, right? Here, here's the deal: uh, it, trickle or drip irrigation is is not as good as efficient for using it to water plants as it is for keeping soil moist. So the rule of thumb: if you water, you know, just a re- let's just say you water regularly without it once a week, you would do this. The drip, the drip irrigation about three times a week because it just puts out a little bit that seeps in. So the idea is to use it to keep the soil moist, not to get it wet in the first place because it's not that efficient. So, uh, you know, th- there's no real good rule of thumb except just when your plants need it. If your soil is uh, stays moist, you know, so you, you, you need to figure out how long it takes for the soil to dry out, and you want to use it just shy of that amount to keep it moist rather than let it dry out and then use it to try to... To, to get it wet again, does that make sense? So oh, okay. now my my yeah. my rule of thumb is um, very few vegetables need water more than, more than every week, if that much. A lot of people grow without any irrigation at all. You know, farmers come to mind, but but uh, you know, I would say drip irrigation on average, if it's hot weather, or sunny weather, the winds, anything that dries the plants out, 
uh, I'd say a couple of three times a week for, you know, what, 30 minutes or so per per time. Okay, great. Thank you much. Okay, appreciate it. Let's know how it works. He's talking about drip irrigation, folks, uh, where you, you hook up. Uh, it's like a hose you hook to, to your to your water hydrant and run it out to the garden. And then off of that, you punch little tiny holes in with this tool, tool and run uh, little small spaghetti tubing to each plant with a little stopper on the end that leaks water out maybe half a gallon or a gallon an hour. You can also put them, you know, these emitters, these little uh, plug things, directly in the main line going down there. But the main thing is it, it puts water out anywhere from half a gallon to a gallon, sometimes even two gallons an hour, depending on what size. And uh, it's a really they use this a lot in hanging baskets in Texas, Florida. Most of the pubs in England use it because they have water restrictions, uh, because the reservoirs aren't big enough to service 60 million people. And uh, anyway, it's really efficient, and it's not difficult at all like it was when this stuff first came out. Uh, let's slide down. Uh, let's talk to uh, to Rick, North Mississippi. Uh, where R- Rick? Oh, Jackson. Rick, what's going on? You're talking to me, Felder. I am. I am. What's up? Hey, this is Doctor Rick. I'm actually oh, doc- in Birmingham. Doctor Rick. Okay. It's, How you doing? I'm fine. I'm. You know. I'm easily confused though. Uh, I love to say this. What's up, Doc? Well, what, what's up? Listen, I'm calling you about my <clears throat> azaleas. Uh-huh. I moved all of my azaleas from um, Jackson to Birmingham, where yeah. I am now. You know, you can and, buy them in Birmingham, Doc. Yeah, yeah, I got lots of them. But I wanted to bring my, my good old, they were originally I brought them up from Mobile and uh-huh. planted them in Birmingham, uh, in Jackson, and now I've moved them here. We've had a terrible drought, Yeah, yeah. as you probably know. And we did, too. And a number, number of them are basically just sticks with a few green leaves on them. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm trying to get is your prognosis on whether or not those are going to make it through the the winter and come back, or I just need to replace them. Well, you know, if, new ones. if they've got if they've got any kind of leaves on the ends of the branch, if you scratch some of the branches and it's, it's bright green right under the trunk, I mean, uh-huh. you know, right under the bark, then it's still alive. What I would do is don't. I wouldn't water them too much over the winter, but because. Uh, here in the south, even in Birmingham, we have some real bright, windy weather. They can dry uh-huh. out even in the summertime. So be prepared to give them a soaking every uh, three or four weeks if we go that long without rain. And then after they bloom in the spring, cut them way back. Because, you, you know, un- unlike with people, you know, you can cut plants back and they'll sprout back. Don't you wish you could have done that? With, with people, you know, I don't like your attitude. I'm gonna prune you back and start you over again. <laughs> that would have been much easier. But uh, you know, right, well, I, I would definitely cut them back because that balances the top. Uh, the, right now, you have more top than the roots, and uh, and this time, you know, over the summertime, that can cause problems. If you cut them back, that'll that'll reinvigorate them. Okay, I'll hang in there with them. Thanks a lot, and great to talk to you. Hey, it's good to hear from you too. See you, Doc. Bye bye. Dr. Rick, he started the medical thing here. Dr. Rick moved to Alabama. And by the way, I don't know if he's still listening, but if you get a chance, swing by the Mobile Botanical uh, Mobile, Birmingham Botanical Garden. It's a beautiful garden. It's one of the nicest in the South. It doesn't cost anything to get in. So any, anytime you're near Birmingham, if uh, folks, if you just swing by, it's right off uh, the, the one of the main highways. 
Uh, real easy to get to. Beautiful. A lot of interesting stuff. And right now, the camellias are coming into full bloom. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We've got some more stuff to talk about. Got some events coming up. Got some teasing music in a little while. But uh, mostly, we're going to just be talking about gardening. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring We're going to take a real quick break. Me and Java and Kevin and come right back. Folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We're going to be talking about gardening. Uh, before I give some announcements about things coming up, uh, let me let me thank uh, Melinda Morell. Uh, Melinda wrote. Uh, she said, "Dear Felder, several years ago I visited some colonies, Amana colonies in Iowa, bought copies of Prince of Wildflowers, um, and framed them and had them been hanging in my house for several years now. Anyway." Skip it down. My husband and I are again downsizing, and I came across two of these prints about years ago. Rather than throw them away, I thought you might like to have them. So I'm enclosing these prints of foxglove and wild lettuce for your enjoyment. And they are beautiful prints, folks. Really enjoy it. Uh, he, she said, although my husband and I will be moving to Texas soon, I'll still listen online to your Friday program, The Gestalt Gardener. Best wishes for continued success with your MPB program and your efforts to encourage us all to get dirty. I love it. I love it. Little old lady sending me some pictures from her wall saying, let's get dirty, Felder. <laughs> By the way, Java, I need to uh, say this. I give lectures all over the country, and a lot of people from out south, they don't understand that when I say old lady flowers, it's not an age or a gender thing. It's a style. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're from the south. You understand. Even I know that. Yeah. And, you know, you look at my yard, it looks like, you know, crazy cat lady lives there. <laughs> when it comes to, I guess I'm the crazy cat lady of flower. Anyway, no offense to cat ladies. Don't, uh, there's no way out of this, is it, Java? You kind of, you, you got yeah. dirty. Okay, I got dirty there. Hey, let me throw, uh, let me segue quickly into getting dirty in other parts of the car. There's, I got an email from Pamela. Cox from Ocean Springs, uh, she said the Mississippi Gulf Coast Camellia Society is having their 67th annual show. It's going to be Saturday, November 23rd. That's a good ways away, but we'll talk about it ahead of time. It's going to be from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock at the Lyman Community Center, uh, which I've been to before. It's on Highway 49 in Gulfport. It was going to be free, uh, and uh, just We'll talk about that some more, but I want to emphasize how much fun I had at the Flora Plant Swap yesterday. Uh, so many interesting plants, interesting people, mixing them all together. And uh, I came away with, uh, 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 I didn't really want, want any plants because I don't have a place to plant it. But I got a pot that had a tree in it. I didn't want the tree, but when they dug the tree up and put it in the pot, it had a nice little uh, clump of violets, wild violets, and they got buds on them. So I'm a, I cut the <laughs> As soon as I got back home, I cut the tree out, and I'm growing it just for a pot full of violets. And if it's pretty violet, I'm going to stick it in my yard. Uh, and my, before I take this call, when I say yard, yard is slang, folks, for garden. Yard, garden, which is slang for guarded area, which came from the word gordos, which also became hortos, became horticulture and courtyard. So when I say yard, I'm talking about my courtyard. Let's go uh, down to Mobile and talk with Gene. Hey, Gene, thank you for calling. 
Boy, you pulled information this morning. I am. It's just, I mean, it's the, it's the caffeine and the chocolate. <laughs> you need to get off your medication. I am. I am. I'm going to worry you one more time about my banana plant. I got bananas on the things, but hadn't had any on in a long time. And uh, do I need to cut them down now and bring them in? They were kind of late coming on. And, well, they're going to be late. You know, bananas take forever, not only to, to come on, but, but to mature. I saw some really good ones uh, in Jackson the other day. Uh, as long as it stays above freezing, I'd leave them on there as long as you possibly can. Well, I, I think I will. This, this plant right here, one time when uh, Katrina came along, it bloomed. That's the only time I did food with it. So then I got all excited about trying to grow them and move them out in the sunshine and never had anything. This year I looked up at that's bananas. But anyway. Yeah, the, well, they take a long time. You know, the longer you can leave them on there, I would, I would cut them before you get a freeze. You okay, know, that's, and, what I, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. You know, we get this little cold spell, Gene, and uh, and everybody freaks out and they bring all their plants in. Then it warms up for you know, four, five, six weeks. That's right. So, well, that's what I'm counting on. Fella. Yeah. Uh, and I heard you talk to Dr. Rick a while ago, and I, I called him one time, and, and I told him, I didn't know where he went because I can't get y'all stationed all the time. Anyway, I told him, I said, man, I, he was talking about some kind of disease. I said, you've had every kind of disease known to man. I said, you've even had some women's diseases. <laughs> he, <laughs> on, he still on the program. That. He would mention that there once in a while. <laughs> did he retire? Uh, yeah, he did. He did. You know, he's he had one of the most illustrious uh, uh, careers in in medical profession of anybody. But he, oh, I loved him. But he's he's gone also. I anyway. used to pick him. All right, Gene. Hang Thank up. You, man. I'll hey, call you back next year about something else. Let no. Call me back when you when you give us some update on your bananas. All right, buddy. See you, guy. Thank you. Bye, bye. Okay, folks, if you want to give us a call, toll-free, mpb ring We're going to take uh, uh, another – is it time to push this button? Can I, can I push – nope, not yet. Java says don't push the button yet. See, folks, the way they got this set up, I'm sitting in the studio. Java's in another studio looking at me through a window, and they put the screen with the who's calling – up so high that I got to throw my head back to see it, and my bifocals kick in. And so every now and then, I push the wrong button. Now, we're going to give this try. We're going to talk to Jim from Jackson. Hello, Felder. Hey, Jim, what's up? I'm calling you as a plant botanist uh, or a teacher today. I noticed from my almanac that the day of the first frost, typically in Mississippi and Jackson, is the 11th of November. Yep. We had a light one last night, but my tomatoes and peppers and okras survived. Yeah. But could you explain why some plants uh, thrive on cold weather and others uh, wilt when the first frost comes? I, I, I used to could. Now, that's a southern expression. I used to could. Uh, it's a plant physiology thing. It has to do with, with, the, with the way cell walls are set up. You know, some, some plants have got a little extra. Um, I don't remember what. It's sort of like I'm like. I can't remember the the name of the stuff. Let's just say they got a little extra alcohol in their in their cells, <laughs> and and it, some cells don't free, you know it lowers the freezing point. It's not alcohol, but it's something like that in cells. Some plants produce enough of it that keeps the cells from freezing. Others don't have it, and when the cells freeze, turns to ice, it bursts the cell wall, and as soon as the sun comes out, all their innards gush out. But uh, there's some there's some kind of uh, is ethylene. I don't remember what what the name of the stuff is, but some plants produce it, others don't. Tropical ones don't. Let's call it antifreeze. Antifreeze, yep, yeah, that works. And I tell you, you know, when you hear about people winterizing their lawns, uh, they're winterizing it with that the third normal fertilizer bags. The potassium is what one of the key ingredients in that antifreeze. 
But uh, some, it doesn't help some plants. By the way, uh, in town, even though they said it got down to the low 30s, usually in town, because there's so much radiated heat, you're downtown, your your garden, uh, Dean, you know, right there at the law school, surrounded by buildings, a lot of concrete. It can freeze out the airport, and it won't in Jackson. Ah. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that the uh, coming stretch of warm weather will still let me produce for a few more weeks. It should. And, you know, and even though it's supposed to get cold again tonight, the sun is out. So it's all the all the uh, your soil, your mulch, all those buildings around the parking garage uh, just to the east of you is soaking up a lot of heat. And it'll sort of like a, a having a, a, a warm water bottle right by the feet of your tomatoes. Well, I know that'll make them feel good. Thanks so much, Felder. <laughs> good to hear from you. See you, Dean. Okay, bye, Felder. Okay, folks, we got some other stuff to to talk about, but I got some emails. But I want to talk with you. If you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Folks who are listening to my podcast, or you don't feel like calling, shoot me an email: garden at mpbonline dot org. Meanwhile, let's do a little tune to celebrate the Day of the Dead. got nothing better to do, please listen to my conversation on Right on Mississippi. Find it at mpbonline.org. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. For the culture's fell to rushing, let the good times roll. Um, we're going to be talking about gardening right up until the top of the hour. As soon as I get off the air, I'm hopping in my my vehicle headed to Texas, this place called the 
the Antique Rose Emporium. A lot of people have heard about them. They sort of pioneered the idea of rescuing old roses from cemeteries and old home sites and abandoned places and in older parts of town. You know, the kind of roses that grow without being grafted. They just grow on their own roots, and they bloom from spring till frost, and they smell like roses supposed to smell. Anyway, they specialized in that to help start this group called the the Texas Rose Rustlers, and I've become a rose rustler myself. One of the first roses I ever grew from a cutting I got from a cemetery in Natchez, Mississippi, rooted some cuttings, rooted 13 cuttings of them, seven of them rooted. So, you know, I, I found out from experience that if I want to root roses, which I do in the wintertime, I'd root about twice as many as, as I want. Uh, gave most of them away, put one in the yard, and I took some cuttings and have them growing in the Greenwood Cemetery, downtown Jackson. Anyway, uh, Antique Rose Emporium, if you're interested in these kind of things, I, I'm not trying to advertise. I'm just telling you, I work with folks all over the place, and these folks grow own root roses from the south. And uh, they, they're, they're good plants. Anyway, we're going to have a lot of fun there talking about diggers. Uh, determined independent gardeners. Going to feature the late, great Dr. Dirt and some of the other diggers around town and uh, folks who do what they want to do, who really like to, 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 to garden the way people used to garden and grow plants we used to grow that you share with each other. And uh, I th- you could sort of say they're the keepers of the flame. You know, they're the kind of people who keep gardening going and garden plants going when everything else uh, goes down the fast food, fast gardening type lane. And uh, there's some in every community. You might be one. You probably are one. Uh, typically see a lot of them at plant swaps, but diggers tend to be non-joiners. A lot of them, you know, you'll have every garden club's going to have two or three diggers in them, but they kind of lay low because they don't do the coffee and tea as well as some of the other folks. But in general, Every community, usually every neighborhood, has got somebody who plants a little bit too much, tends to over-accessorize a little bit, and tends to leave their hoses out. And they always have a, a row of pots on their driveway that, that have got plants in it waiting for a hole. They always have something growing in a milk jug. You know, this is what diggers are, determined independent gardeners. And I'd also like to credit uh, my friend Bill Timms from Laurel for coining that phrase. He said diggers. Determined Independent Gardeners. You know, if you want to give me a call and talk about gardening, we got the lines wide open, got plenty of time to chat, good time to, to run something by somebody who's got training and experience and not too much ego. You know, I don't get that involved in stuff when uh, I lose plants, too. I've got weeds, too. Uh, my knees hurt, too. Uh, I got scratched up arms too. I got muddy shoes by the back of the, by the the back porch that I put on when I go out because I don't want to mess up my good shoes too. I do all that kind of stuff too. And if you want to talk about it, I do too. Give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring. Got the lines wide open. Um, one of the things that I really enjoy doing. It sounds kind of weird, but I like using tools where I'm the only moving part. I call them quintessential, quintessential things. They only do one thing, but they do it so well that if we didn't have it, we'd have to invent it. Uh, if you're thinking in kitchen, think about that that thing that you use to slice eggs. You know, you you put an egg on it, you flip over the top with all those little wires, and it slices the eggs into perfect little pieces. Only does one thing. But uh, if you didn't, it saves a lot of time if you're making asparagus casserole and need a bunch of sliced eggs. In the garden, I'm thinking about my rain gauge. I went out after every rain <laughs> to see how much rain. I mean, I, I watch the Weather Channel. 
Uh, I have the you know dark sky app on my 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 iPhone and all that, but I like to go out there and check the rain gauge because it knows how much rain I got in my yard. I don't trust the Weather Channel studs out at the airport to know what happened in my yard. Over the past week and a half, my garden has gotten eleven and a half inches of rain, eight inches one week, and what's that three and a half inches the next week? I think that's. 11. I don't, anyway, the math will lose me. But I got eight inches and three and a half inches in one week. My garden is set for what, four or five days now? Uh, let's go to um, Boonville, talk with Steve. Thank you for calling. What's up? Yes, sir. Um, I've been nurturing nine blueberry bushes yeah. uh, for about the past six years, Ooh. and they finally started putting on over the last couple of years. Uh huh. Um, but I've mulched them real good, and as I've just been like one handful a year for the past few years, on them, and they ripen. But this past year, I've got two questions for you. This past year, they they put on, and two of the bushes started to uh, put some berries on, but they never fully ripened. They just turned red and stayed red while the rest of them ripened. Now, those bushes had ripened in the past. Yeah. I was wondering what stopped them from ripening. And also, do you prune blueberry bushes? And uh, how, when, what time of year? Because they're now getting taller than me. Yeah, yeah. Let me answer from uh, fir- first one, uh, first question first, because I don't know the answer to it. Uh, I'm going to suspect that it had to do with the weather. It would not stop raining in the spring. It rained a lot in the summertime, and anything that shuts down roots shuts down flowers and fruit production. So I'm going to say it's weather-related. It's not an insect or disease, I can tell you that. So it's got to be somehow, and we have plenty of warm temperatures, but I'm suspecting that they might have stayed a little too wet because of all that rain, and it just sort of stunted the roots a little bit, enough to make them say, you know, we're just going to try to keep the plant alive and not do anything extra this year. Okay. You know, I mean, and that's a good educated guess. Okay. Uh, Now, as far as pruning, when you get through picking next year, don't do any pruning now because all the flowers are going to be the ends of what's out there right now. And so as soon as you get through picking next summer, cut the tallest parts way back. They'll sprout back out. They've got time for the new growth to come out, mature and set buds before fall if you get right on it. So, you know, we're talking about July or so. Cut Cut the tallest parts way back. Meanwhile, do yours have suckers coming up from the ground? Uh, yes, they do. Long okay. ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, cut those. You know, after you get through picking those, cut those back to a couple of feet tall. They'll bush out with several stems on each one. And in the springtime, as the new growth comes up, uh, when it gets about knee high, snip the tips of it off. And instead of getting okay. long and tall, it'll branch out. So you can snip on the new growth in the spring and cut the really tall stuff back. Sooner, you know, by middle of the summer, but as soon as you get through picking. And if you'll do that every year, you don't have to do the whole bushes, just the tall stuff. You know, so you can go okay. out you can go out once in like uh, June and snip the tips off the new growth and as soon as you get through picking, cut out just the tall bits and that's pretty much it. Okay, that makes sense because when I was watching them put on the berries, I noticed the berries were all out toward the ends of all the branches. The the stuff that's out there right now, the flowers going to be at the end. And see, and if you if you to cut that stuff back in the middle of summer, instead of being long and tall, each one of those would have branched out with more branches with berries at the ends. Okay, so I appreciate it. It, it keeps them not only get from getting tall, but it makes them stemmier, more flowers, more fruit. Great. Thank you so much. Good luck on it. And uh, sorry about the, the, the guess on the other thing, but I'm, I, I think that I'm pretty – I'm not wrong on it. I just don't know if I'm right. 
<laughs> whatever that means. Joey, help me out. You're calling from Tremont. What's up, man? Good muddy morning, Fuller. How you doing? So far, so good. Good enough. Uh, I've got a hankering to plant a Norway spruce. What are my chances of it uh, well, you being can, viable? Oh, you can plant them all you want. Well, uh, what's the chance of being viable? Not too good. <laughs> well, what I've read says down to zone seven. We just barely in zone seven. I might yeah, but but the people the people who write the those zone things they uh-huh. they're basing that on average low temperatures in the wintertime. England is zone seven. Oregon is zone seven. But the trouble is, it doesn't take our 85 degrees at three in the morning in July in account. And that's what kicks the, the oh. those kind of plants. They don't like our hot, humid summer nights. Um, zone, zone seven is just based on, on, I mean, zone seven, the northern parts of, uh, of, uh, of North Carolina are zone seven, but they're in the mountains. And that's it cools down at night. Yeah, so uh, so the the problem isn't the cold, the, you know, it, it's the the hot, humid summer nights. At the same time, there are some spruces. I've seen a blue spruce. I've seen them growing all over Oklahoma City, and it's hot there. And uh, I, I saw one growing in a big pot in Jackson that's been growing for several years. So, you know, if you have really good drainage, if you plant it maybe in a uh, like a little low mound so it doesn't stay too wet in the winter time, it might make it. I'm gonna give it a whirl anyhow. Not yeah, yeah, well, Norway. Now I, I was an idiot, didn't even think I could, because Norway <laughs> being iced over probably thirteen yeah. months out here. Yeah. Well, you know, again, a lot of these plants they'll they'll grow in Canada. We have some plants that grow in Canada that that grow well here, but some of them aren't adapted for their hot summer nights. That's what gets them. Now give it a try. And uh, hey, put it on the north side of your house so it gets a little sunshine, but uh, but it gets as cold as it can get in the wintertime. I mean, Tremont, you know, it's pretty cold on, even on the north side of your house uh, d- down there in the wintertime. Not as much sunshine. And maybe because it's in the shade, Joey, it'll think it's covered up with snow. I uh, had a huge frost last night. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, anyway, good luck on it, man. Let us know how it works. But let, uh, it's going to uh, take you two or three years to know for sure. Give me a call then. I will. I do appreciate your advice. You bet. Thanks, Joey. I'll give you another example, folks, of a plant uh, that's real popular is the Leyland cypress, L-E-Y-Land cypress. Uh, it's a great plant, uh, but it, you know, in England and Oregon, it gets huge. Matter of fact, they're considered really, really weedy trees. Here, they don't get so big, and middle of the summer, they start to brown out because their parent, it's a, a hybrid between a California mountain plant and an Alaska plant. They don't mind the heat, but they don't like that hot, humid summer night. That's what gets them. Anyway, uh, let's slide back to Jackson. Talk to Rose. Good morning, Rose. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. I'd like to find out. I know paper whites can be grown in water. Yep. And you say to add some kind of alcohol. Yep. I need to know what kind and how much. Okay. Uh, first of all, let me... For, other people who might be listening uh, who've grown paper whites in water, you know, they're one shot. If you Once they do, you can't put them out in the yard. They're not going to survive. It's just a one shot thing with just water just touching the bottom of the bulb. 
Uh, And they'll get up, oh, a foot and a half or so tall, flower and flop over. But the people at Cornell University found if you put a little bit of alcohol in the water, just a little bit, they'll bloom the same. They have the same flower, same fragrance, everything about it, but they're only six or eight inches tall. Uh, Now, it's a real small amount, Rose, and there's a recipe if you're using something like drinking alcohol, like vodka or something like that, it doesn't. Uh-huh. It, it takes more than if you use rubbing alcohol, which is stronger. Um, and I don't remember, I want to say it's like one part alcohol to nine parts water or ten parts water. It's not very much. If you put too much alcohol, it actually kills the roots. Okay. So, uh, um, and I don't have that information with me. Uh, it's too late for me to look it up while we're talking. But no, uh, okay. it's it's like one part water to seven or eight or nine parts. I mean, one part alcohol to seven or eight or nine parts water, depending on what kind of alcohol. And, okay, uh, and and rubbing alcohol. Rubbing alcohol. That's what I've used. Of a teaspoon or. Uh, well, you know, see, I'm not good at math. See that what what I well, do is. I mean, you know, fourth is the smallest measurement on the teaspoons. Right, but when but you're si- well, since you have to replace the water every now and then because it gets used up. Oh, what, do what, what I do, you know, you know, the the bulb will use some of the water up. So every now and then you got to add more. So what I usually do is mix up a batch. Uh, and just put it in a mason jar and keep it in the refrigerator and just pour from it. So it's easier for me to mix. Like, again, I don't I do not do math very well. But if you shoot me an email, if you can think about it, or if you'll give me till next week to to write it down, I'll write it down. Okay. I sure appreciate you helping me. Okay. And you're a very nice person, and thank you for being online. Well, on, thank you. On, on, Oh, on the radio. Let me let me ask you this, Rose. Uh, you know, you got to not just you got to put them some gravel or something in there too for oh, the yes, rooster I know. wrap. I got rocks and things in the bottom, and I got containers that are supposed to be for bulbs. Okay, well, see, I didn't have gravel, so I just used Mardi Gras bees, and they worked too. Okay, but uh, anyway, if you can't wait till you know if you get if you've already started it, if you go online and just Google alcohol and paper whites, it'll it'll tell you exactly how much. Rubbing alcohol or exactly how much gin, and I'm thinking okay. gin or vodka. I'd stick with the rubbing alcohol if you got it. Okay, I do. And thank <laughs> you so much, and have a wonderful day. It's a whole lot better now. Thank you, Rose. Bye now. Yeah, you can use rubbing alcohol if you got it. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Mike. Is calling from uh, I can't tell where from Memphis. Is that Memphis. right, Mike? Yes, sir. Uh, it's, it's a. I thought it was a stupid question, but it's uh, after this frost last night. Is that the end of the tomatoes? Well, it really depends, Mike. If they actually got frozen, and you'll know by the end of the day, you know, if they really look bad, uh, then then that's it. But if they slid through somehow, because sometimes in town. You know, even though it's cold out at the airport with the measure of the temperature, sometimes in town or in a you know a protected place, they might actually have survived. Might not have gotten that cold right where they were. So I just take a look at them. If they look, I mean, by the within a day or two, you'll know if they're if they're gone. They'll they'll. It's just like when my old dog was ready to go, he let me know, and it was no yeah. question about it. <laughs> so, but if they look okay, you know, we might have this what they call Indian summer that'll warm up. You might get some more out of it. So don't don't pull them up. And if they look but, okay, I would. Hey, have you got tomatoes on them? Yeah. Uh, have you ever, uh, you know, you can 
when they start showing just a little color, when they get just a little pink to them, you know, you can pick them and bring them in. Okay, and will they ripen inside after that? They won't ripen, but what the you know once they start showing color, you know, just a little bit of a pinkish tinge to them, you know, then they'll go ahead and they'll turn more red and they'll get softer. They won't get any sweeter, you know. They won't taste any. But the longer you leave them on the vine, the the better taste they get. But if you pick them early, uh, you know, they won't get any more ripe, but they'll turn a little bit redder and get softer, and you can still eat them. You can put them in chili oh. and stuff. Oh, okay, good. If you get just a second, I wanted to ask you about puffballs. Sure. Uh, uh, this is the season for them, right? Yeah, yeah, out in the yard or in the flower bins. Are, are all these guys that are spraying their yards and all, is that like, I remember when I was a kid, they were everywhere. Yeah, and and they they still are. the 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 stuff they're spraying doesn't really affect these kind of things. You know, the the puffballs, the mushrooms, that's a, a fungus. Uh, you know, it caused that one called uh, brown patch. Well, there's one called fairy ring. And when we have warm days and cool at nights, you just have a big old curve or circle of these white mushrooms. And that's an underground fungus, and, you know, they can't really spray for that. So uh, Okay, so that's not – I just haven't seen as many as I used to. I found a few this year. But yeah, yeah. You, you eat them? Eating. You eat them? Yes, sir. Okay, well, you know, there's bold mushroom hunters and there's old mushroom hunters, but there's no right. old, bold mushroom hunters. Well, you can't hardly miss a puffball. Okay, well, good <laughs> luck on it, man. Appreciate you calling. Look, Thank good, you, good, sir. Good luck with your tomatoes. Thank you. Okay, now let's go to Ela, staying in Memphis. Good morning, Ela. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not so bad. Um, I wanted to know, how long does it take for an avocado bulb to look like an avocado tree? Uh, you mean, that? well, it's an avocado seed. Uh, avocado, okay. right. Yeah. Uh, it can sprout pretty quickly. They're tropical plants. Uh, have you grown them? Do you know how to grow them in water? Well, I've already grown it in water, and it had enough root, I thought, to go ahead and put it in dirt. So it's already in dirt. I've had it for like two, maybe three years, and it still looks like just one little tiny in the mud <laughs> oh, but, with a few leaves on top. It looks fine. It's yeah. growing, but it's just so slow. Well, part, partly because, Ela, you know, avocados, and in, in, in I've, you know, I mean, I, I went to a, a, a small fruit research place down in South Florida uh, back in January, and mm-hmm. they've got like 15 different kinds of avocados, and they're big trees. I mean, they're trees. But the right. pro- problem in Memphis, these trees are tropical, they, they are subtropical, they need a lot of sunshine, six, seven, eight, ten hours a day, and they need a lot of warmth to grow and fertilizer. See, so, you know, you keep it in a pot in Memphis, you know, you got to bring it in, and all that sets the plants back. So uh, in the springtime, if you can put it out in the sunshine and give it a little fertilizer where it gets a lot of warmth, especially okay. the, the roots and all, it'll grow a little bit better. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Have fun, Ela. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Appreciate your call. Whew, we're running out of stuff to talk about, folks. Well, actually, we're not. We're running out of time to talk about it. Well, that's okay. If you want to shoot me an email, it's garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, in about two minutes or so, I'm going to hit the road, head over to Texas. And next week, I'm going to be broadcasting live from from uh, Oklahoma City. I'm talking to the Master Gardeners uh, there in Oklahoma City. And uh, so I'm going to be broadcasting live, but it'll still be a call-in program. And uh, still trying to come up with some cheesy music and all that. But um, anyway, if you have questions during the week, 
uh, comments, you want to to get more detail about things. Uh, here on the program, I tend to to soft pedal it. You know, I talk it from a guarding point of view. I can get horticultural if you want to. And some of the things I say may be a little controversial. I don't mind talking about those and sharing what I know and the research behind it. And if you've got some things that help me out, I'll be glad to, to learn. That's the way it goes. Meanwhile, all you diggers out there, you keepers of the flame, uh, if you get a chance to dig up some plants and share with some neighbors, that'd be great. We're going to take a week-long break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Me and Java Chapman. Um, Kevin Farrell has been the phone greeter today, another producer here at MPB. We're going to take a little break and come back next week. But meanwhile, if you get a chance, beautiful weather to take a kid to a garden center, get your paper white bulb or some uh, something to plant, or maybe take them to a farmer's market. But the main thing is show kids how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week.